Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to uh, it's great to be here. It's great to see everyone, and uh, look forward to sharing God's word with you this morning, and indeed enjoying fellowship with you. Um, thank you for asking me along again, and uh, I, I just look forward to what the Lord has to say to us all uh, this morning. I wonder if you could turn with me to Judges chapter sixteen. Judges chapter sixteen. And we're going to take time to read um, just the whole of this chapter, Judges chapter 16, very familiar to all of us. Before we come to God's Word, let's just come before the Lord in prayer. Eternal Father, as we enter into your presence, Father, we pray that you would still our hearts that you would focus our minds and that indeed, Father, that we would would just rid ourselves of all the the thoughts and, and even concerns, Father, of the week past and perhaps concerns of the week to come. Father, help us to remember and to realize that we are indeed in the presence of God. And Father, we thank you that we have that bold access into your presence this morning because we come in and through the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and by the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, as we come as your people this morning, we pray that you would speak to us, Father, through your word. That, Father, the words that are said are from the very courts of heaven itself. And indeed, Father, it is not of human effort, but by the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, we pray that you would humble each and every one of us. Prepare our hearts, Father. And indeed, we pray that we would not go through the motions this morning. But indeed, Father... We would examine our hearts, and indeed, Father, by your Spirit, our hearts would be changed and conformed more unto the likeness of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Be with us now, Father. We pray that all that is said be to your glory and to your glory alone. And we pray these things in the precious name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, Samson, this is uh, Judges chapter 16, verse 1. Now, Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot there and went into her. When the, the Gazites were told, Samson has come here, they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. They were quiet all night, saying in the morning, when it is daylight, we will kill him. And Samson lay low till midnight. Then he arose at midnight, took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two gateposts, pulled them up, bar and all, put them on his shoulders, and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Afterward it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Entice him and find out where his great strength lies, and by what means we may empower him, overpower him, that we may bind him to afflict him. And every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me where your great strength lies and with what you may be bound to afflict you. And Samson said to her, if they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. 
So the Lord of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, and she bound him with them. Now men were lying in wait, staying with her in the room, and she said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he broke the bowstrings as a strand of yarn breaks when it touches fire. So the secret of his strength was not known. Then Delilah said to Samson, Look, you have mocked me and told me lies. Now, please tell me what you may be bound with. And so he said to her, If they bind me securely with new ropes they have, that, that, that have never been used, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. Therefore Delilah took new ropes and bound him with them and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And men were lying in wait, staying in the room. But he broke them off his arms like a thread. Delilah said to Samson, Till now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me what you may be bound with. And he said to her, If you weave the seven locks of my head into the web of the loom. So she wove it tightly with the batten of the loom and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he awoke from his sleep and pulled out the batten and the web from the loom. Then she said to him, How can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times and have not told me where your great strength lies. And it came to pass when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death that he told her all his heart and said to her, No razor has ever come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me and I shall become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up once more, for he has told me all his heart. So that the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hand. Then she lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. And then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before as other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters and he became a grinder in the prison. However, the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. And they said, Our God has delivered into our hands Samson, our enemy. When the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God has delivered into our hands our enemy, the destroyer of our land, and the one who multiplied our dead. So it happened when their hearts were merry that they they said, Call for Samson, that he may perform for us. So they called for Samson from the prison, and he performed for them, and they stationed him between the pillars. Then Samson said to the lad who held him by the hand, Let me feel the pillars which support the temple so I can lean on them. Now the temple was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there, about 3,000 men and women on the roof, watching while Samson performed. Then Samson called to the Lord, saying, O Lord my God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once. O God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines from my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple, and he braced himself against them, one on his right and the other on his left. Then Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might, and the temple fell on the Lord's and all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life. And his brothers and all his father's household came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshetal in the tomb of his father Manoah. He had judged Israel 20 years. To finish reading the end of chapter 16. Let me ask you this question this morning. 
what is your relationship like with the Lord? What is, not, not Carrick Fergus Baptist, but you individually, what is your relationship like today with the Lord? Now, I, I haven't asked you how you're getting on as a Christian. I, I haven't asked you what your attendance in church is like whether you're a regular attender, whether you're going to be here this evening at the prayer meeting, whether you're regular, regular at the place of prayer. I haven't asked you, uh, are you involved in particular acts of service in this church? I haven't asked you, are you involved in various rotas or, or, or what your plans are for the summer in terms of any missionary endeavor? I, I haven't asked you any of those questions. All of those things are important, are vital on the journey of faith and in obedience to the Lord. It is important and, and vital that we come to, fe our, to fellowship and come to church to praise the Lord. It is vital that we're involved in evangelistic efforts and outreach, and it's important and, and vital that we're, in, that we're obedient to the Lord and serving Him. But I didn't ask you that question. The question I asked you this morning is, what is your relationship like with the Lord? Sometimes we determine how, our, how we're going on as Christians by what we are doing. You know, I'm, I'm here preaching, so things must be going okay. Uh, we're here at church, so again, we must be doing all right. We, we, we go to the right places, we say the right things, we wear the right attire, we, we hang around in the right circles, so we're doing a lot of the right stuff, so we must be doing okay as Christians. Sometimes we determine how well we're doing as Christians by what we're not doing. We're not smoking or drinking or going to the nightclubs or saying bad language. So there's a bunch of stuff that we're not doing, and there's also a bunch of stuff that we are doing. So overall, we're, we're doing pretty good. But you know, and I know, by observation, by experience in, in our own lives and by observing others, that... You could be involved in a whole lot of things in church life. You could be up to here in it. You could be here practically every night. You could be a deacon, an elder, a pastor, a preacher. You could be a Sunday school teacher, a youth leader. You could be involved in all manner of missions and summer activity over, over across the summer. You could have all of those things and do all of those things, but your heart may be far from the Lord. Your relationship with the Lord may be distant. It may be cold, neglected. The true heart of the matter as Christians is the matter of the heart. And as we self-examine this morning, we're not examining about how much we're doing or what we're not doing. We're examining this morning, and I'm examining this morning, what is my relationship like with the Lord? Am I close to Him? Am I walking close with the Lord? Are you walking close with the Lord? Or are we distant from Him? How do you know if you're close to the Lord? Well, how do you know if you're close to anyone? When you're close to somebody, a friend, a family member, a loved one, when you're close to somebody, you tend to talk to them a lot, don't you? You tend to communicate with them a lot. How often do you communicate with the Lord? How often do you pray to the Lord? That's a mark of how close you are to the Lord. 
And if we were to kind of do a little comparative study here, and let's look at a role model, let's look at a best practice, let's say Daniel. Daniel, we know, prayed three times a day, so we're going to be a little bit quantitative this morning. Let's, let's rate Daniel 10 out of 10 when it comes to prayer and communicating with the Lord. He's a 10. What am I out of 10? What are you out of 10 when it comes to your prayer life? Are you talking to the Lord? We claim to walk in fellowship with him. We claim to love him. Are we speaking to the Lord daily in the quiet place? And indeed with our brothers and sisters, how would we rate there? When you are close with somebody, not only do you talk to them, but you talk about them. The things that you love, the things that are close to you, the people that are close to you, you tend to talk about them. Am I or you talking about the Lord in whom you love? A quiet faith, by the way, there's no such thing. It's the kind of thing we bring into our church language that kind of, kind of allows for certain, uh, uh, certain things in, in, in our Christian walk. But there's no such thing as a quiet faith. We need to be talking about the Lord. And if you take a good standard, let's say Paul. Paul went into the marketplace and in the synagogue and he talked about the Lord. He gossiped the gospel. He preached the gospel. He talked about the Lord and whom he loved. He's a 10 out of 10 on talking about the Lord. What is Philip being? How would I rate myself in terms of my fervency and sharing my faith? How often do I gossip the gospel? How often do I talk about the Lord and whom I follow and whom I love? How often do you talk about the Lord to others? How would you rate yourself out of 10? When you spend time with somebody, you tend to also get a little bit like them. <laughs> you kind of sound like them, you talk like them, you start using the similar language and, and, and characteristics. My wife would often say to me when, when I'm driving on loudspeaker, um, I, I, I often sound like my business partner, James. He, he said, we just we stop sounding like somebody else. Just, you just get into the way. The more you spend time with somebody, the more you're like them. And the more you spend time with the Lord, the more you're going to be like him in your character, in your conversation, in your conduct. Are we demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit? Or are we just Sunday Christians? going through the motions this morning, checking our watches. We're nearly done. We've done this tick. Or are we out there in the world demonstrating, reflecting Christ, who we follow and whom we love? And perhaps this morning, as we all self-examine, and perhaps me more than anyone, maybe we do look at our relationship with the Lord, and maybe it is not as close as we thought it was. Maybe we are a little distant from the Lord. Maybe we are doing lots of things and not doing certain things, but our relationship with the Lord has grown cold and, and it's not as close and we're not spending time with Him in the quiet place and, and we're not talking about the Lord and whom we love and our relationship with the Lord is, is distant and not as close as it ought to be. Samson was a man that when you're introduced to him, and you don't need to turn to it, but chapter 13, or chapter three, three, three sorry, seemed to, or sorry, chapter 13, seemed to have good Christian credentials. I mean, he seemed to be 
um, he seemed to be pretty good. His birth was divinely pronounced, and, and, and only three others share that great privilege, that great honor, Isaac, John the Baptist, and indeed the Lord Jesus. Samson was a Nazarite, meaning he was separated or set aside for God to serve him. And his testimony is good. Don't need to turn to it, but in Judges 13 and verse 24, it says, So the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. And the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move at him. So Samson's testimony is pretty good here. What was the context in which Samson was brought up? Clearly, this is the period of Judges. And Judges can be best described in Judges 2, verses 11 to verse 19. Now, we don't have time to read it, but what summarizes Judges best, I think, is in Judges 21 and verse 25. It sums up the world today, and it sums up Judges and the period of Judges back then. It says this, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. The world in which we live in today. That's the context that Samson was brought up in. Israel was a spiritual yo-yo. One minute it was up, and the next minute it was down. One minute it was uh, caught up in apostasy and spiritual idolatry, and then God brings judgment because sin always has consequences. They cry out to the Lord. God sends a deliverer in the form of a judge. They, they, they return. They're restored. They're revived. The judge dies. And then it, they revert back even worse than before. The context of Samson's life is a nation in spiritual decline, up and down. And in chapter 14, when we're thinking about Samson's relationship with the Lord, when we're introduced to Samson the adult... You read through chapter 14, and you will not see any mention of Samson praying to God, or God speaking to him. There is obviously mention of the Spirit of the Lord giving him great physical prowess and strength, but there's nothing there in chapter 14 about Samson communicating with God, or God communicating with Samson. What you do see in chapter 14 is Samson marrying a Philistine wife, which he shouldn't have done, and then losing his rag and killing 30 Philistines in a murderous rage. That's what you see. You know, so often we get caught up, I think anyway, me anyway, in the story of Samson, the the caricature of Samson. It's all about his physical strength, isn't it? That's the exciting bit of Samson. That's the real point of the story of Samson, this God-given strength. And then later on, because of Delilah, he lets his guard down for a moment. And then he's weak, he's vulnerable, and he ends up being caught by the Philistines. And well, you know, we've read the rest of the story. But that's not the story of Samson. The story of Samson is, is, it's not about his physical strength. It's about his spiritual weakness. Samson was spiritually weak. And you see that straight away in chapter 14. No speaking to the Lord. The Lord's not speaking to him. And he's caught up in a murderous rampage, killing 30 Philistines and marrying a Philistine wife. In chapter 15... We see a great military tactician. 
I'll read it, no need to turn to it, but Samson went and caught 300 foxes and he took torches, turned the foxes tail to tail and put a torch between each pair of tails. And when he had set the torches on fire, he let the foxes go into the stranding grain of the Philistines, burned up both the shocks and the standing grain, as well as the vineyards and the olive groves. I quite like this because I've got a little interest in all things military, and this is like the first multiple rocket launcher that, that, that Samson has developed. It, 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 animal rights aside, he, he, he's putting these foxes tail to tail and putting a torch between each pair of tails, and he's sending these foxes out, uh, causing absolute havoc and destroying through the fire vineyards and olive groves. And we do hear Samson pray in chapter 15. Here's what he says, and no need to turn to it. Samson, after he did this with his multiple rocket launcher, he said, then he became very thirsty. So he cried out to the Lord and said, you have given this great deliverance by the hand of your servant, and now shall I die of thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised? And you might say, well, there there you go, Philip. There's Samson praying. Is that not a good sign? And it is a good sign concerning his relationship with the Lord. Samson is a believer. Samson today is in the glory. Samson here is praying to the Lord, and that is a good sign. But there's something in this prayer that indicates, gives us an indication of what Samson's relationship is like with the Lord. He became very thirsty, so he cried out to the Lord. The first time we hear Samson pray is, I'm thirsty, God, can I have some water, please? He acknowledges that God has delivered him from the enemy. He acknowledges God's power and his sovereignty in that prayer, and that's good. But it's a self-centered prayer. And when you're distant from the Lord, you may still be praying, but your prayers have a kind of a self-centered dimension to them. It's, can I have this? Can I have that? Can we have the other? And it's very little about God. It's a very man-centered prayer when you're distant from the Lord. And that's understandable because if you're focused on temporal things, you're going to be praying in a temporal way. But when you're close to the Lord, then your prayer life is all going to be about Him. It's all of God, giving God the glory, giving God the honor, magnifying His name. I'm sure you all know the acts of the prayer, the adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, the order of prayer. Our prayer life is going to be so God-glorifying, so God-centered, all about the Lord, praising Him, recognizing His purity and His holiness and and our sinfulness and our need to confess our sins unto the Lord. And, And then that thanksgiving, that praising the Lord for all He has done for us in the sending of His Son to to die for us and to pay for our sins on the cross at Calvary. And then indeed, of course, supplication, making our requests made known unto God. But this is a self-centered prayer. And our prayers need to be individually and corporately all centered in the Lord, all about Him, giving glory to God, honoring God, looking to His will and His ways and His guidance and His direction so that we can pursue lives that are obedient to Him and faithful to Him. You know, the wonderful thing is in chapter 15, verse 19, 
it says, So God split the hollow place that is in Lai, and water came out, and he drank, and his spirit returned, and he revived. There's that self-centered prayer of Samson, and yet God still answered it. And God still sent that water. And I think that's so encouraging because I know my own heart. I know my own sin. I know my feelings in this last week alone. And yet when we come before the throne of grace, when we call out to the Lord, just like Jonah did in the belly of the fish and all that he had done and he had went through, we read in chapter 2 of Jonah, God heard his prayer and answered it because he is the prayer answering God. Maybe you need to hear that this morning. Maybe you've got weary in prayer. Maybe guilt, fear, pride has held you back from prayer. Come to the throne of grace. Call out to the Lord and he will hear you and answer your prayers. He will cleanse you. He will forgive you. He will restore you and indeed revive you. Just like he revived Samson. Maybe we all this morning need to experience a little reviving. A little reviving. We pray that the God would grant us. You know, this morning we're talking about our relationship with the Lord. Let me ask you this, friend. Do you have a relationship with the Lord at all? Have you entered into a relationship with the living God? Or is your relationship still with the world? Is your hope still with the world? Are you putting your trust still in the things of this world? Let me remind you again from 1 John 2 and 17. This world is passing away along with its desires. But the one who does the will of God abides forever. Put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't leave it one more moment. Enter into a relationship with him this very hour and give your life to the Lord. And so we come to chapter 16 and we ask the question, <clears throat> where did it all go wrong? Where did it all go wrong? I tell you where it went wrong. It was Delilah. <laughs> she was the problem. It was Delilah. It wasn't Samson. He's the physically strong guy. He's the hero of the day. Delilah was the problem. Delilah was not the problem. The women will be delighted to me saying that. Delilah was not the problem. And actually, the Philistines weren't the problem either. Delilah was Delilah, and she would have done her thing. And the Philistines were doing their thing. The problem was Samson. He shouldn't even have been there. This was not a momentary blip in Samson's life. He was doing spiritually well, and then suddenly he drops his guard, and oops, and he finds himself in a difficult situation. Samson here has been on a journey of spiritual descent. Chapter 14, chapter 15, and chapter 16. The beginning of chapter 16, Samson lies with a prostitute. Samson is on a spiritual decline because he's been distant from the Lord. And you know, and I know, when you're distant from the Lord, you get yourself into a whole bunch of trouble. Some with short-term consequences, others with long-term consequences that you can do nothing about. You know, as one man once said, 
When a man goes out to change the world, he soon finds out that what he really needs to change is himself. When a pastor or preacher looks to change a congregation, what he really finds out is he needs to change his own heart first. It's Samson that needs changed. Samson's the issue here. Not Delilah, not Philistines. That's a side story. It's Samson. You know, in verse 4 and 5 and 6, Delilah is saying to Samson, please tell me where your great strength lies and with what you may be bound to afflict you. Now, if any of the young folk here are are entering into a a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship with somebody and your first night out in McDonald's, let's hope it's better than McDonald's, but when when your first night on a date and that boy or girl says to you, tell me where your weakness is so I can exploit it, what are you going to (laughs) do? Well, I'll tell you what I'd have done. I'd have jumped out of the car and went 100 miles the other direction. What is Samson doing here? Why is he staying in the room with a woman who's saying, tell me where your weakness lies because I want to exploit it? We look on and think, Samson, you're mad. But you see, when you're distant from the Lord, you're spiritually vulnerable, you're spiritually weak. And as I said when I was here before, we need to grow our KWD, our knowledge, wisdom, and discernment. And when you're distant from God, your KWD, your knowledge, wisdom, and discernment is low. You're spiritually vulnerable. You're spiritually weak. You make spiritually illogical decisions. You do stupid things. And people looking on are going, why is he doing that? Why is he embarking on that relationship? Why is she doing that regarding her business practices? Why are they going into the world headlong into serious trouble? Because they've lost their spiritual wisdom, their spiritual logic. They're in the snare of the devil. And what do we need? And what does that person need? It's, it's almost as if they're spiritually drunk. Now, I've never been drunk, but I know that if somebody is drunk, they lose their consciousness, they lose their self-awareness, they lose their ability to recognize danger. And when somebody is distant from the Lord, and if you are distant from the Lord, it's like you're spiritually drunk, You're, you're going headlong into trouble, and you don't realize it. And what is our response? Our response is to sober that person up. I was going to say there's no water here, but there is. I could give a wee illustration of a splash of water, but I'm not going to do that. But what happens when somebody is drunk? You splash water over them to sober them up. And if you see a brother or sister going the wrong direction, the wrong road, acting as if they're spiritually drunk, making spiritual logical decisions, you need to come alongside them. And maybe even give them that splash of water, metaphorically speaking, to sober them up, to revive them, to make them realize that they're going the wrong direction. And you might say, Philip, that's the elder's job (laughs) when that happens. Speak to them about it. And yes, it is the elder's job and it is the pastor's job, but you know what? It's a fellowship job too. If you see a brother or sister going the wrong direction, brothers and sisters, don't put your head in the sand. Don't look the other way. Don't go, that's too hot to handle. I just don't want to go there. Go to them and encourage them. 
minister into their life. Come alongside them and maybe at times give them that spiritual splash of water, of the Word of God, of rebuke, of challenge, to waken them up so that they will not go down that course that leads to destruction. Samson did. Samson three times, he was bound three times. The Philistines tried to capture him three times. He lies, but he eventually tells Delilah the source of his strength. And we know the rest of the story. The Philistines capture him and it all ends in death. You know, Samson was on a journey of spiritual descent. He was on a spiritual a journey of spiritual decline. He was already on the wrong road. And now as I close, <clears throat> I, um, I'm, I've said to you, I'm sure, about my occupation. I own my own company, a company called Shredbank. And my business partner and I started Shredbank up in 2007. And when we started the business, as you do in those early days of the business, you're, you keep an eye on everything. And I would uh, used to go through the little file of, of bills that needed to be paid. And there's a little file there in the office and used to go through those bills, check that we're being charged the right thing and check that we had enough money in the bank and all of that kind of stuff. But as the years rolled on, I didn't really need to, to look at that file because we had great girls in the office who are very efficient and brilliant what they do, and we trust them completely. So they look at the bills, they check them out, and, and, and they pay them. And I don't need to look at that file. In fact, I haven't looked at that file in years. The girl, Susie, looks after that file for me, and she's brilliant. I trust her completely. And so she turns away and pays for those bills. But a couple of months ago, I walked into the office and Susie, the girl who looks after that little file of bills, said to me, well, she shouted at me and she said, Philip, stay off those red roads. And I said, what, Susie? The red roads, stay off the red roads. What? What red, what red roads? She says, the red roads. And she took a sheet out of that little file of bills and she presented me with a penalty notice and a picture of my car. And what had been happening was that I was driving through the city of Belfast and not aware of it, but driving on bus lanes by mistake. And the cameras had been taking photographs of my car and they had been billing Shredbank um, for me going on those red roads. And Susie just didn't have the heart to tell me, right? She did, I, I said, Susie, why didn't you say to me? I just didn't like to say, Philip. I didn't want to give you any stress or any pressure or whatever. So for, I said, how long has this been going on for? Months. Months, right? And there's literally me driving around Belfast, totally unaware, going through certain bus lanes, and the camera's taking pictures of me and charging my account, and I didn't even realize. I was going on red roads, it was costing me. I wasn't conscious of it. My bank balance was deteriorating. I didn't even know, not deteriorating that much, the fines weren't that big, but, but I didn't even realize it. And if you see a brother or sister driving on red roads and they're not conscious of it, they're going the wrong direction on their tr Christian journey, then make them aware of it. Because they may not be conscious of it, but it's costing them. There's consequences to it. And if you're on those red roads, 
then allow a brother or sister to come alongside you and minister to you and get you back on the right track. Samson didn't have anybody to do that, and it got him into a whole bunch of trouble. He was on red roads for a long time, and it had consequences to his life. At the very end, it is a tragic end. Samson dies. But you know what's encouraging about it? Before he dies, he says this in verse 28. He says, Then Samson called to the Lord, saying, O Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once, O God. Samson calls out to the Lord. God restores his strength. The Philistines are defeated. Yes, Samson dies. But today he's in the near presence of the Lord. We read about that in Hebrews 11, counted as one of the the great fathers of faith. And so this little passage is not about Samson and his physical strength and Delilah being the problem and Samson letting his guard down for a moment. That's not the story of Samson. The story of Samson is about a man who is not close to the Lord as he should be. He's a believer. He indeed is in glory today, but he wasn't close with the Lord. And that's the question for all of us this morning. Are you, am I close with the Lord? Are we spending time in the place of prayer? Are we talking about the Lord? Are we demonstrating and reflecting Christ in our character, conversation, and conduct? And as we put scores on that, is it low? I think for all of us, to one extent or another, to one degree or another, as we self-examine, we perhaps do need to draw a little close. We do need a little revival. We do need to confess to the Lord, Lord, I have been distant. I've been doing a lot of things, and there's things that I haven't been doing. Commendable though that may well be, I have been distant from you, Lord. Draw me back. Draw me close. Draw me back to that place of prayer, individual and corporate. Give me that boldness to share my faith, and talk about the Lord and whom I love. The Spirit of God, let him work in me so that I can reflect more of the character of Christ. And indeed, brothers and sisters, if you find yourself distant from the Lord, or you find another brother or sister distant from the Lord, then give them that spiritual jolt. Give them that spiritual awakening. Come alongside them and sober them up because you don't want them going on those red roads which has many, many consequences to their life and the life of others. That's a fellowship endeavor. Pray for one another. Encourage one another. Come alongside one another. Keep everyone, each other, on those right roads so that we can move forward for the glory of God and burn brightly for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's just close in prayer before we go to our hymn and to the Lord's ta- and to the table. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time spent around your word. Father, as we have examined our hearts this morning, Father, we, we do perhaps do many things in your name and do many things for you in this church and outside of this church. Father, we thank you that you've given us the gifts to do that, the ability to do that, the strength to do that. And we pray, Father, that you would bless the work in this church and indeed outside this church in the many ministries that this fellowship is involved in. Bless your people, Father. 
but indeed as we self-examine our relationship with the Lord. We pray, Father, that we would indeed all draw close, all indeed be granted that little revival, all of us be restored to our first love. Father, we pray that we would, we would examine all of what we have t- we talked about this morning. We would reflect on it, and we would call out to the Lord so that we would indeed be changed, be moved, to be, to be men and women of God who share our faith, talk to the Lord, and walk close with Him for Your glory and for Your glory alone. Father, we pray for anybody here who does not have any relationship with the Lord. We pray this morning that by your grace, by the power of your Spirit, that you would cut into their heart and they would come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and enter into a relationship with the living God. Father, we leave all of these things in your hand and we pray these things in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our hymn before the table is, is I'm Forgiven.